welcome back to the Making a Difference for Us podcast. I'm your host, Margo, and I'm joined today by Edwin, Kevin, Jim, and a special guest, Zach, who I will let introduce himself now. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Zach. I'm a teacher, I'm a writer, and I'm a member of Democratic Socialists of America. Thank you very much, Zach. Today, we'll be talking about the role of the military in the U.S. I would like to start out with Zach with the questions for today being the following. First, what is the purpose for our military? Second, what is our cost versus benefit with the military? And third, how do we maintain the world's top military yet avoid the cronyism of the military-industrial complex? Uh, so thanks for having me again. Um, for the first question, what's the purpose of our military? I think the purpose of our military is to keep uh, essentially global capitalism running the way that we want it to. Um, <laughs> to ensure a you know succinct capitalist world system with us at the top. Uh, for the second question, what is our cost versus benefit? Military spending uh, cost way supersedes benefit. Um, and for how do we maintain the world's top military uh, and avoid cronyism? I'm going to reject the question out of hand, and I'm going to say we don't need to maintain the world's top military. Um, I'm sure we'll, I'll probably be challenged on that so I can get into my rationale in a couple minutes. Thank you, Zach. And Jim, if you'd please give us your thoughts on today's questions. Sure, Margo. Thank you. Cost versus benefit. That's a tough one. You know, um, we do have the world's top military. And uh, as you might imagine, Zach, I think that's important. Um, but, you know, uh, you look at the F-35, for example, the, the all-purpose fighter that was supposed to be the answer to all our services needs, Marines, Army, Air Force, $1.6 trillion a pop, lifetime cost. And my understanding from the military folks is it's kind of crappy and really probably not going to work very well. And we're already thinking about moving on to something different. Um, had the advantage of talking to the president of GM Defense just a few weeks ago. And he didn't mention that by name, but he did talk about spending 20 years and trillions of dollars to develop weapon systems only to have them canceled. Pretty sure that's probably one of the things he had in mind. And he himself said that can't happen anymore. And so, you know, GM got back into the defense game just a few years ago to bring their innovation uh, to the table. And to me, that's that's what we need to have that cost benefit and to deliver the purpose of the military, which is to kill people and break things in our enemy's world. Shock and awe. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. And Kevin, if you want to go ahead and give us your thoughts on the three questions. Sure. I, I can really th- want to start back with just the true understanding of the textbook version of what the military purpose is. And the U.S. military exists to serve the American people, defend the nation, protect their natural interests, and fulfill natural military responsibilities. And their mission is to endure to provide necessary forces and the capabilities so the competent commanders in support of the national security and defense strategy. But as a proud father of two kids, who one who has served and one who is still serving this great country, to see and watch them commit their life unselfishly for the betterment so that we can maintain our way of life, which is noble. But yet and still, we sit here and debate this issue. With what I believe in our military men and women who allow me, my family, my friends to wake up, go to work, come home, enjoy the many opportunities and continue to have the opportunities to pursue life, liberty, and happiness and freedom that we have to make this world better. So when I'm looking at those pieces as a premise, because we can see throughout history 
the tyranny that we have on people conquering everybody or what part. So I think when we extend back to Jim talked about, you know, shooting and killing, really the premise behind the military is not to do that. But when you look at the cost benefit of the military, U.S. budget is $715 billion. We're number one in the world in spending next to China and India. Our U.S. GDP is $21 trillion. We're number one at that behind China and um, Japan. The U.S. is number four in 3.7% of the million, uh, military spent to our GDP compared to Saudi Arabia, which is 8.1, Israel 5.3, and Russia at 4.3. Once again, we're the third largest population in the world. For us as this um, stay number one, we need to keep the peace in the world. We need to focus on China and Russia and others. And how do we go about maintaining and policing the belief and what we have about liberty. As I believe the benefit outweighs the cost to maintain the level of excellence within our military, the reputation that we maintain to that beacon of hope and the peace for the world. Okay, someone has to do it because there's other countries and there's small places that are wreaking uh, habit on our society. As for cronyism and as we look at it, it's a hard piece to sit back there and say, how do we do it? But as, as citizens, and as we talk about government, we need to control that and we need to understand it and we need to be involved and understand it. Because at the end of the day, that's one of the things that we don't do. We do not sit there and challenge our military because it's unpatriotic. Okay, if you're talking about being isolated and thrown out, you know, as you're talking about protesting to that, we saw that in the 60s with Vietnam War, but as today was the first thing we do when we see a military person in the airports. Thank you for your services, you know. And so sometimes it's kind of hypocritical because we sit there and say that, but at the same time, we forget about, I can go to the market and enjoy the things that I do. And I can sit on my back porch and have a smoke, drink things I need to do. So that's my take on it. Thanks, Margo. Thank you, Kevin. And Edwin, if you want to finally go ahead and give us your thoughts on the three questions. Sure. So the cost versus benefit military. Uh, Kevin, you touched on some of the numbers. I know we spend $2 billion a day, roughly a million dollars a minute on our military. We have the number one military in the world. And if you think about why we have to be number one, we've got China behind us at number two and Russia right behind them at number three. And the t number two and number three are not necessarily allies of the United States. So we definitely have to keep a strong front. And we think about what that spending's for, spending for personnel, modernization, logistics, military healthcare. And if you think about what we spend all that money on, it's, you know, it's, it's supplying that. So we have to have a strong military to stay number one. And the purpose of our military is protecting our physical and human assets, both both domestic and foreign. And when we say that, we're really protecting our economy. So if we don't have a strong presence, we can't protect our economy. How to maintain the world's top military? You know what? Here's the thing that we've got to do. We either have to evolve or die. So we, either we continue to modernize our military and spending has to happen for that to work. So, uh, you know, go back to how we spend, why we spend. We have to modernize our military because as Jim spoke about earlier, we've got some antiquated things that just don't work or things that were developed that never worked. So we have to continue to evolve either that or we will become quickly number four, number five. We'll push Germany out of the ranks of number four and we'll be down there with them. So quickly, I think we need to uh, continue to, to invest in our military. We continue to have to have a very strong front. We have to continue to modernize and evolve.
Thank you, Edwin. And with that, we are going to go ahead and transition to our roundtable discussion. Zach, if you want to go ahead and start us out. Sure, yes. I was surprised with, uh, anyone wants to take a guess who I found myself nodding along to the most? Edwin? <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually thought that uh, Edwin and Jim had points that uh, dovetailed surprisingly well with mine, to be honest with you. Um, interestingly enough right like I, I think you know we have we have 750 bases um across the world in 80 different countries and i don't really know how um necessarily all of those are protecting like our daily lives i mean i don't know we have uh 40 bases in germany and i don't really think there's an al-qaeda base in potsdam so i'm not really sure of, like what we're doing there at this point i don't really know how much that's keeping like the day-to-day -day, um you know goings on going when you know we have all these bases we're spending all this money like like jim said we're spending all this money on things we just throw out i don't really know how much that's actually benefiting our day-to-day -day lives um when i don't know i don't know if we were to close 10 of those bases in Germany, I don't think my life would get any, any, any worse. I don't really, I kind of doubt any of your lives would. Maybe some people's lives would get better. Maybe the kids would come home. I don't know. It just doesn't seem to me like that's keeping us individually, personally, putting us in a better place. If anything, it seems kind of aggressive to me. Wow. Zach, some great points there. And I know Jim, you're sitting there, and like I said, something to think about. You know, that is one of the things that we have to, as you know, U.S. citizens start to be aware and asking those questions. Jim, I, I think you wanted to jump in there. Yeah, actually, um, I agree. Uh, again, surprisingly, there, Zach, with, with uh, <laughs> at least an element of your point. Yeah, it, any any um, business, and, and you, know, you can argue that military spending is its own kind of business because there is that cost-benefit analysis, should constantly be uh, evaluating what's working and what's not. And the basis thing is a very valid point. Um, we've actually closed a number of bases, most of them in the US. Um, the base realignment and closure commission that's uh, gone through rounds in 88, 91, 93, 95, and 2005, closed bases every one of those years. And you know, you drive around the country, you see these different you know, innovation sites, airports, um, all these different now civil installations that were former military bases. And I think that's a good thing. You, you do away with the old, you know, a lot of that stuff dated back to World War II when we had oodles and oodles of training bases and, um, you know, starter bases to get the troops overseas. Um, and so then we should be doing that same thing overseas. I, I think one of our challenges in spending is the whole piece of, um, you know, what are we spending that maybe our allies ought to be spending? Yeah, probably going to say a dirty word for a couple of folks, but one thing I think Trump did well was to challenge our allies and what they were spending on their militaries. Um, you know, we've had countries, unfortunately, that have been free riding for a long time. Germany, I think you can make the argument, France, you know, our uh, European allies from World War II, Japan, which, uh, you know, for very good reasons didn't have much of a military military presence for a long time, and they're stepping up. And so, you know, that's a piece of getting the, the spending under control as well. I agree with the whole uh, uh, maybe 
some consolidation of some of the bases overseas. But the reason I also understand why we had the bases where they were because of distances and logistics. We had to we had to have multiple bases across the world to be able to to provide support, uh, land, air, and sea support for our troops that were in other parts of the country. I think we, when I talk about modernization, I think we modernize enough now that we can actually take advantage of some of those resources and reduce the that, that footprint in some of the areas in which we don't need as many people. But I'm not talking about reducing the size of our military, more importantly, consolidating our military to areas that may make more sense. This is where that confidentiality, when you're talking about military, of what works, what doesn't work, what we are informed to know. But there are certain aspects that we were talking about, Zach, is why should there be X amount of bases? You know, there there has to be accountability of knowing where everything's at and really where it's coming to. Because when you're looking at almost a trillion dollars on military spent and where that's going, you know, and I know as you're talking about, Jim, earlier, uh, holding our rest of our allies accountable for that piece. But sometimes we also give away that power too. So, you know, and that's that that's that big brother approach is I'm going to boot the spinning. So I have the right to control a lot of aspects. So I don't know if we're getting to that point where, you know, are we willing to give up that authority? You know, and that's where Zach was talking about earlier. Do we willing to give up and relinquish that presence at what cost? So there's so much more that we don't know or what we are available of knowing to actually protect that piece, especially in the cyber war acts, you know, assets or are we talking about leaving you know afghanistan what is that going to look like all those pieces that to me is still unknown and i'm just curious about how we drive because like i said when i wake up in the morning i want to be able to do the things that i enjoy not worrying about other things that i can't control and so to me it's like i'm hedging the bed to saying keep doing what you're doing but also put some common sense to it so i don't know and, and that's where I, i'm sort of sitting on the fence post when we're talking about our spending and how this world is now looking at us as enemies. So I, I, I'm looking for that piece because, you know, I just like what I have, you know, or what the opportunities to have, and, and as well as hold other nations accountable. Yeah, I think another element that we need to think about is, is the proper role of the military when we talk about those areas across the world. You know, I, I think we've gone way too much into nation building with our military. And, mm -hmm. you know, we should, rein that in there are other other groups that can handle that kind of work um to to have a military that's so heavily encumbered with high-tech gadgets over there trying to you know build schools and community centers and things like that to me is it's not the right use of the military and it's very wasteful yeah i'm again i mean i agree with jim on that one i mean i understand that we're um, and maybe this will get pushed back. But I understand that we're an imperial power and that's part of the job of the imperial power is to nation build, but I don't think that's our job. Um, who the hell appointed us world policemen? How is that? If we look at the places that we've been over the past 30, 40, 50 years, how has that made our lives materially better? If anything, it's probably made our lives worse. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's making some people's lives better, but I don't, I don't think I'm benefiting from it. I doubt any of us are. I mean, um, I think Jim's right. I don't think I don't think we should be trying to expand abroad. I think we should be taking care of things here at home. And I think cutting down the military. And I'm not even saying getting rid of the military, right? Obviously, I'm, that's that's a bit much, right? But you know, maybe spending a tiny bit less on that a year, and maybe putting that somewhere else. Um, 
might benefit us more than having, you know, a million uh, bases in a million different countries. Exactly, I, I would agree, but I still have to go with that one. It's, it's protecting the mighty, mighty buck in some areas that we're talking about where GDP and looking at those areas that we're, just, you know, allowing that, you know, free market to take place. So that's 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 the balance piece that we have and in, in trying to look at that, you know. So I don't know. Edwin, do you have anything to talk about that? Because that's one of your points that you were talking about. And I would have to support with that, you know, when you're looking at our presence. Well, and until we start being self-dependent on a lot of the resources that we have, and until we get rid of all the imported goods that we bring in, we have to protect our into our interests in other areas. Uh, there's there's no there's no getting around that. So it's, it's, you know, our economy is driven by the things that we import in this country, unfortunately. If you look at that, I mean, we can't really do away with the, the, the protection that we have across this across this globe because we're so heavily dependent on other people as, as they are dependent on us as well. So we still have to protect the assets that we send out. We have to protect the assets we bring in. And whether that's human assets, whether it's it's goods and services, regardless of what it is, because that's it's it's all things that you know we go to bed at night, take it for granted, and wake up and like we've got this great life. Well, that great life is afforded to us by our military. We don't see it as much today because it, what we've had to fight for, we've already got. So it's 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 you know we we are, we're now forced to maintain what we have, and we're forced to protect what we have. So I think. Uh, Reducing the military, maybe re reallocation in certain areas makes sense. I don't believe we should let our guard down because as soon as we let our guard down, we see what happens. It, it just it's not a good thing. I uh, I don't I don't really know how much I agree with that to be honest. I mean, we've never been. Um, no other country has really come over here. I don't know. I don't know. We've existed for a very long time, and I don't know if I don't really know. I mean, we talk about China, we talk about Russia. I mean, maybe this is a, a naive or uh, idealistic viewpoint or whatever but I, I think at the point that we're at right now our economic relations with china um are such that i i think it would be difficult to believe that the sort of pseudo cold war we've been in for however long is ever going to boil over um and i mean if it does i don't know how how much you know a military force is going to matter in that case i think it's probably going to be a little more about a push of a button so i don't know i don't know i mean I'm not certain who we're supposed to necessarily be protecting ourselves from at this point. I don't, I don't know who's going to be aggressing against us. I, I do want to go back to your point about us being imperial. I, if we're if we're an empire, we're a pretty crappy one. You know, we're not out there um, extracting no all there. the resources. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that goes back to the whole nation building thing, where we where pe people used to have empires and go and dominate countries. Now we try to build. Or dominate countries. I mean, we try to build these countries, and there's some good to that. I I do actually like the idea of us being global policemen. I just think we have to do it in a more effective way. Where, uh, again, we're we're building these alliances of countries that maintain their own military strength, and we work in coalitions with them. Um, and I think that's doable. I, I I would like Edwin not greatly reduce the size of our military because I do think. That so much of our economy and and really our values are around keeping world peace and being that policeman. This is way too civil. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, actually, you mentioned a thing about not not identifying any threats on our on our on, on our turf, but 
I, I think the truth of the matter is we actually have identified threats on our turf in the past, and we've traced some of those threats back to other countries and kind of mitigated some of that by, what's a better term, taking care of business. We, we've, gone, we've gone and done things to minimize that happening moving forward. But if we let our guard down, then I think there's a chance of that stuff happening again. This is one of the things, it's like, it's a touchy stuff when you talk about our military, it's being patriotic. You know, we're really looking at it. You know, we, we fly the colors. Like I want to ask a question. I've, I've been flying the flag for the last 20 something years after 9-11. I have never put my flag, my, it flies year round, you know, 365, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours. It's in there. It's because that was the last time when we really saw us that we were patriotic as we came together. The last time we did that is when Kennedy, when we're talking about going to the moon. Okay. So, you know, when we're even talking about the pandemic, we haven't even came together. So I'm looking at some of the things that we forgot what it really sometimes, what it really truly means to be an American. We had this uproar when, you know, kept, you know, sat on his knee and started to give that, you know, his knee and all the things that we come back to because we all have defined what, being patriotic is uh, you know so when we're talking about this it's like we want to talk about it but it's also sort of a touchy subject and what should we do and what that spinning needs to be like so i really don't know what the answer is but you know once again you don't want to be tabooed as that person or that guy you know and, and you want to be patriotic but you want to be respectful but at the same time at the end of the day zach was right how much money should we spend does that impact me when you're talking about that free market right? And how do we look at those things? So that's why I mean this, because especially having two kids in the military and seeing what they're doing. So it is hard to sit back there and say not, but I still look at flying my flag. And I know what it means to be an American, even though sometimes we have some discussions about how, you know, my ancestries came about, but I still feel very adamant about being an American first. And with that, we're going to go ahead and transition to our closing statement. Zach, if you want to go ahead and start us out. Once again, I really appreciate y'all having me. Um, I was going to say this um, in response to what Edwin had brought up, but then, you know, Kevin was talking and I was like, I can just say this for closing statements, I guess. Um, I suppose the thing that I've been keeping in mind, the particular perspective with which I've been coming at this has been that we as a nation have a history of interfering overseas when it suits us um, in particularly cynical and in my opinion, incredibly um, morally uh, dubious ways. Like we can talk about Chile in 1973, we can talk about Guatemala in 1956, we can talk about, right, we can go on and on and on and on and on. And so when we talk about, you know, defending our interests, you know, Edwin, Kevin, Jim, maybe not Jim, but Edwin, Kevin, you might say that and you might think of that as like, you know, protecting you know, you and me, our particular interests. But when I hear our interests, I don't think our interests, you and me, I think, you know, big business interests, things like that, right? Like we overthrew, um, you know, uh, Jacobo Arbenz in Guatemala for Chiquita Bananas. Um, and so I guess that's the particular perspective with which I come at these things is that I don't think that we have particularly virtuous um, motivations in doing the things that we do all of the time. And I think it seems like we can all agree that not getting attacked is a good thing. Not attacking people is probably a good thing. Um, having a generally peaceful global atmosphere is a good thing. Um, but I don't know how much those things are necessarily in our interests all of the time. And that's the reason why I think I think that we probably should dial things back.
Uh, Jim, if you want to go ahead and give us your closing statements. Sure thing. Thank you. You know, broadly speaking, again, I'll reiterate, I do believe in keeping the world's strongest military. I do think it's uh, a positive for us to, you know, strategically serve as that that uh, guiding light when it comes to policing the world. Um, but Zach, you raised some good points. We, we've certainly done some things that are uh, not to be admired. You know, I think about Iran and Iraq and, you know, we backed S Saddam Hussein. We, we built him up because he was the counterweight to Iran and then it didn't go so well, did it? So yeah, I think that part of that constant evaluation would absolutely be something we keep up. The thing we didn't really hit on too much is the technology end, and we spend all these billions and billions of dollars. Um, there can certainly be cronyism going on there. You know, I think back to the 80s and the, the discussion of the, what was it, $600 wrench or whatever. Yeah, that is a constant challenge as well. We've touched on it in other subjects that poisonous alliance between supposedly private business and, and government that you know, becomes a funnel of cash. So those are all very valid concerns. And, and again, definitely, uh, you know, striking that balance between keeping our military strong and not being wasteful or evil. That to me is the ongoing, the ongoing difficulty. Thanks. Thank you, Jim. And I don't know if you want to go ahead and give us your final thoughts. Sure. So, uh, you know, I just go back to my original statement. I believe in a very strong military. I think, I think the presence of a strong military holds down a lot of threats. Much like Kevin, I'm a very proud red, white, and blue wearing individual. I live in South Florida where the Republican Party is alive and well and floating the United States flag all over the place. I really believe that if we if we if we don't continue continue to invest in our military, we don't continue to broaden the, the modernization of our military, we don't continue to spend those dollars. I think uh, it's the evolve or die. We'll wind up dying because I think we, we've we've got to we've we've got to be the military that everybody wants to be, and we've got to lead by example. The only way we lead by example is by our show of force. When I say a show of force, I don't mean that's acting upon anything. I'm saying that's being very very present and appearing very strong. So if you look at somebody who's a bodybuilder, you're less likely to hit him and he probably doesn't want to be hit either. So if you appear to be strong, that, that, that it's less likely you're going to have any threats, in my opinion. I'll leave with that. And finally, Kevin, if you want to go ahead and give us your final thoughts. Well, I, I really want to say thanks because this is one of the tough subjects for me and having, you know, Zach at one and Jim help with that and look at some of the things with cronyism. But I, th I really believe in a strong military. But here's a caveat to it. We need to have strong leadership and hold those individuals accountable for the actions, okay? Because we're paying into this to protect. But once again, that's where you're talking about taking advantage of government and the private sector and innovation and technology and what we're spending to that piece. And earlier that Zach talked about how we've done some things in our past. The question is, there's that's a few exceptions and it's not a proud moment for Americans, but we have to start evolving and holding each other accountable as we look at those pieces. And the question is, as a public paying citizen who has a lot of respect for the military, we don't want to lose that interest and, and as well as the global audience, because we, we preach and practice that. And I don't want to have to all of a sudden have an issue because we put the wrong people in leadership that goes against the moral ethics and and what we believe in what that and what what that flag represents as a symbol around the world so once again you know it's a balancing point 
but it's going to be, we should take what our past and learn and build for our future. So once again, thank you, Margo. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Edwin. Thank you, Zach, for the feedback and, and conversation today. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on whatever platform you chose. And a special thank you to Zach for joining us yet again today. If you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified each time we have a new episode. If you not listen to our previous episode on healthcare, I implore you to go back and do so. Please join us next time for our last episode of the season when we talk about minimum wages. Mm -hmm.